Jill, it's Amanda just waving from London I know that you're going tomorrow The hardest decision And I've been on the side of the phone for a month And I know you're in hell And you know that I know what you're feeling Life's such a bitch, isn't it? When you have a baby They throw you a and then when you die, they get together for a cry. But no one's gonna celebrate you. No one's gonna bring you cake. And no one's gonna shower you with flowers. The doctor won't congratulate you no one on that pavement's gonna shout at you that your heart also I'm not sure that you'll get this in time I don't know if you're checking your voicemail at all But in case it's the morning And you're off of the green line and walking through Copley I want you to stop for a second I want you to listen You don't need to offer the right explanation You don't need to beg for redemption or ask for forgiveness you don't need a courtroom inside of your head where you're acting as judge and accused and defendant and witness. It's a strange grief, but it's grief. Look at all the women in the street. You know the statistics, Jill. Even though they may not help Isn't it amazing How we can never tell Who is in an identical hell No one's gonna tie 
surprise balloons onto your desk at work and no one's gonna ask you how you're doing but i'll be back in boston by next thursday I can bring some friends if you want us to come We can bring you cake and we can bring you flowers We can bring you wine and we can talk for hours Ukulele by request We'll throw you the best abortion And that was Amanda Palmer off her newest album, There Will Be No Intermission. That song is a voicemail for Jill. And as I record this, Amanda Palmer is being demonized on Twitter for that song, for those lyrics, for caring about women who go through abortions. Uh, among her replies on Twitter today, I am neither angel nor demon. I'm just a woman telling the truth thank you for telling that truth amanda palmer welcome to polyrical a podcast of political music a soundtrack for the resistance a topical solution for the political revolution i want to hear from you so if you like what you hear or even if you don't you can email me at polyrical at gmail.com you can follow me on twitter at polyrical and you can check out the website polyrical.com for back episodes, for links to make a donation to keep this podcast going, and for additional information. Here is Jill Scott off the album Beautifully Human, Words and Sounds, Volume 2. This is my petition. <laughs> You just don't go through with it You say you know the way to go And I should follow But all of your empty promises Leave me hollow And oh, how do I trust you? Just 
to our topic of the episode. The topic of the episode for this episode is Malcolm X. Here is an excerpt from the program of the Organization of Afro-American Unity. This is from the website malcolm-x.org. And they have a note. This was originally supposed to be presented on February 15th. But since Malcolm's home was firebombed on February 14th, this was delayed for a week. February 21, to be exact, the day he was assassinated. Pledging unity, promoting justice, transcending compromise. We Afro-Americans, people who originated in Africa and now reside in America, 
speak out against the slavery and oppression inflicted upon us by this racist power structure. We offer to downtrodden Afro-American people courses of action that will conquer oppression, relieve suffering, and convert meaningless struggle into meaningful action. Confident that our purpose will be achieved, we Afro-Americans from all walks of life make the following known. Establishment. Having stated our determination, confidence, and resolve, the Organization of Afro-American Unity is hereby established on the 15th day of February, 1965, in the city of New York. Upon this establishment, the Afro-American people will launch a cultural revolution which will provide the means for restoring our identity that we might rejoin our brothers and sisters on the African continent culturally, psychologically, economically, and share with them the sweet fruits of freedom from oppression and independence of racist governments. One, the Organization of Afro-American Unity welcomes all persons of African origin to come together and dedicate their ideas, skills, and lives to free our people from oppression. Two, branches of the Organization of Afro-American Unity may be established by people of African descent wherever they may be and whatever their ideology, as long as they be descendants of Africa and dedicated to our one goal, freedom, from oppression. Three, the basic program of the Organization of Afro-American Unity, which is now being presented, can and will be modified by the membership, taking into consideration national, regional, and local conditions that require flexible treatment. Four, the Organization of Afro-American Unity encourages active participation of each member, since we feel that each and every Afro-American has something to contribute to our freedom. Thus, each member will be encouraged to participate in the committee of his or her choice. Five, understanding the differences that have been created amongst us by our oppressors in order to keep us divided. The Organization of Afro-American Unity strives to ignore or submerge these artificial divisions by focusing our activities and our loyalties upon our one goal, freedom, from oppression. Basic aims and objectives, self-determination. We assert that we Afro-Americans have the right to direct and control our lives, our history, and our future, rather than have our destinies determined by American racists. We are determined to rediscover our true African culture, which has crushed and hidden, which was crushed and hidden for over 400 years in order to enslave us and keep us enslaved up to today. <clears throat> National unity, sincerely believing that the future of Afro-Americans is dependent upon our ability to unite our ideas, skills, organizations, and institutions. The basic unity program. The program of the Organization of Afro-American Unity shall evolve from five strategic points which are deemed basic and fundamental to our grand alliance. One, restoration. In order to enslave the African, it was necessary for our enslavers to completely sever our communications with the African continent and the Africans that remained there. In order to free ourselves from the oppression of our enslavers, then, 
it is absolutely necessary for the Afro-American to restore communications with Africa. 2. Reorientation In order to keep the Afro-American enslaved, it was necessary to limit our thinking to the shores of America, to prevent us from identifying our problems with the problems of other people of African origin. This made us consider ourselves an isolated minority without allies anywhere. 3. Education. After enslaving us, the slave masters developed a racist educational system which justified to its posterity the evil deeds that had been committed against the African people and their descendants. Too often the slave himself participates so completely in this system that he justifies having been enslaved and oppressed. 4. Economic security. After the Emancipation Proclamation, when the system of slavery changed from chattel slavery to wage slavery, it was realized that the Afro-American constituted the largest homogenous ethnic group within a common, with a common origin and common group experience in the United States, and, if allowed to exercise economic or political freedom, would in a short period of time own this country. Therefore, racists in this government developed techniques that would keep the Afro-American people economically dependent upon the slave masters, economically slaves, 20th century slaves. Number five, self-defense. In order to enslave a people and keep them subjugated, their right to self-defense must be denied. They must be constantly terrorized, brutalized, and murdered. These tactics of suppression have been developed to a new high by vicious racists whom the United States government seems unwillingly or incapable of dealing with in terms of the law of this land. Before the emancipation, it was the black man who suffered humiliation, torture, castration, and murder. Recently, our women and children more and more are becoming the victims of savage racists whose appetite for blood increases daily and whose deeds of depravity seem to be the only seem to be openly encouraged by all law enforcement agencies. Over 5,000 Afro-Americans have been lynched since the Emancipation Proclamation, and not one murderer has been brought to justice. And there is quite a lot more in the um, program of the Organization of Afro-American Unity, so if you want to check out more of that proclamation, go to malcolm-x.org. Org. Kicking off the Malcolm X set of music, the this is, these are, here are, the Beatniks with Malcolm X. Thank you. 
his death is a nurse's bar, a generation. And it was plain for them to see what he meant to you and me. But one to the chin and one to the chest couldn't stop the movement. And his name is Malcolm X. to a man who means so much to us. To those of you who never knew Malcolm X, you may consider him a militant, a radical, a terrorist, a terrorist, a terrorist, a terrorist, a terrorist, a terrorist. But to those of you who ever once read anything that he wrote, or ever heard him speak, or ever held his hand, you would know him for what he truly was. A prince, our own shining prince, who gave his life because he loved us so. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
least I resist. I don't burn, so don't you dare rip. I step to me, I'm strong and black and proud. And for the bitch, so dang down. Life in the city's already rough enough. Without some young sucker running up, you don't know me, so don't step. I roll to the right and then bust your lip. Paris is my name, I don't sleep. I drop signs to keep the peace. Here to bust this for better justice. Another dope scar face release. This is a serious style for the gifted pro black radical rap uplifting. Still growing, the power so strong. You can't stop it now. <laughs> That was Paris off the album The Devil Made Me Do It. That was Break the Grip of Shame. Here's another quote from Malcolm X. If violence is wrong in America, violence is wrong abroad. If it is wrong to be violent defending black women and black children and black babies and black men, then it is wrong for America to draft us and make us violent abroad in defense of her. And if it is right for America to draft us and teach us how to be violent in defense of her, then it is right for you and me to do whatever is necessary to defend our own people right here in this country. Here is Primal Scream off the album Vanishing Point with Star. Strong foundation 
changes we could bring to change society. You have got to change the law. Bodies may be gone, but their spirits still live on.
the Black Panthers, freedom fighters. They tried, they died. Luther King. He had a dream, Grizzly. He had a dream. Believe you me. Malcolm X. Live struggle. Live struggle. In a pool of blood. 
beyond my grave. I come from a slave father, not grandfather, a slave father, born in eastern North Carolina in 1843, escaped from slavery in 1858, a contemporary co-fighter with Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, John Brown, Sojourner Truth, and William Lloyd Garrison for the freedom not only of the Negro people, but of millions of white workers caught in the same serfdom as their black brothers and sisters. So are brothers and sisters from Mexico, the Philippines, from the lands of Asia, from the West Indies, from Latin America, have come to these shores to share the same fate. And all through our history, the working masses, colored and white, speaking many languages, representatives of the finest of the old and new world cultures, have had to fight every step of the way for a decent wage, for decent homes, for decent education for their children, for human dignity itself. I want us all in this building to say, go tell it on the mountain, to let my people go. put it in your lap. And there's no need of running and no need of saying, honey, I'm not going to get in the mess. Because if you are born in America with a black face, you're born in the mess. I listened to Mrs. Hamer, a black woman, could be my mother, my sister, my daughter, describe what they had done to her in Mississippi. I asked myself, how in the world can we ever expect to be respected when we know that we will allow something like that to be done and we do nothing about it? Something is happening in our world. The masses of people are rising up, and wherever they are assembled today, whether they are in Johannesburg, South Africa, Nairobi, Kenya, Accra, Ghana, New York City, Atlanta, Georgia, Jackson, Mississippi, or Memphis, Tennessee, the cry is always the same, we want to be free. And that'll bring us to our artist of the episode. The artist of the episode for this episode is Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Though mostly raised in Brooklyn, Sharon Jones spent her childhood summers in Augusta, Georgia, where she was born. She sang gospel in churches her whole life and spent many years leading her choir at the Universal Church of God in Brooklyn. In the 1970s, she joined a handful of local funk bands, but was unable to crack into the recording industry. 
Later, she began singing in wedding bands and worked such jobs as armored car guard for Wells Fargo and corrections officer at Rikers Island Prison. In 1996, she sang backup on a Lee Field session that Mann was producing, after which he put her front and center at age 40 for her first ever recording as a front woman on Damn, It's Hot. Jones and the Dap Kings recorded their 2001 debut album, Dap Dippin', with Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings in the Brooklyn basement, followed by a series of increasingly popular albums in 45s and constant, ecstatically received touring. Their sixth record, Give the People What They Want, was nominated for Best R&B Album at the 2015 Grammys, and the group's last album, It's a Holiday Soul Party, was released in November 2015, almost a year to the day before Jones would pass away at age 60. Mann explains that the songs on Soul of a Woman are the result of two different sides of Jones' singing. Initially, the idea for the album was to focus on more string-driven ballads, possibly leading to a tour incorporating symphonies or string sections. But as the band realized that Sharon might not have a lot of time left, they decided to record some more up-tempo and bluesy material to give her the kind of funky stuff on which she really feasted on stage. The selections on this album balance these elements, presenting a full picture of her range. Quote, side one is more raw, more is the more raw live side, says Mann, while side two is more moody and orchestrated, more of a departure from her carnivorous live persona. Here are two tracks off of Soul of a Woman. First, we're going to hear Matter of Time. Oh, peace. 
And once again, off the album Soul of a Woman, that track was Searching for a New Day. Prior to her death from pancreatic cancer in 2016, Sharon Jones was nominated for her first Grammy Award for the 2014 release, Give the People What They Want. Toured and performed tirelessly and was the subject of Miss Sharon Jones, an acclaimed documentary by Oscar-winning director Barbara Koppel. Quote, the last couple of years Sharon was battling, says Dap King's bass player, Bosco Mann, who produced the album. When she was strongest, that's when we'd go into the studio. Sharon couldn't phone it in, so we would only work when she was really feeling it. Every time she took the stage, it always felt like Sharon was leaving it all out there. So maybe it was more intense for the band towards the end, knowing what was coming. But that's the only way she knew how to sing her whole life. Like it was her last day on earth. From the album Give the People What They Want, this is People Don't Get What They Deserve.
That's right, ladies and gentlemen, children of America, it's up to you. Let Mr. Politician know how you feel. Let him know that you're not going to take no more. Stop paying taxes. Stop paying for corruption and injustice. It's up to you. Wrapping up the Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings set, that was the track, What If We Stopped Paying Taxes? And I found that on the compilation album, Impeach the Precedent. That's P-R-E-C-E-D-E-N-T. Here is Hamill on trial off his album Tackle Box. This is Mouthy B. She wasn't from this world, she was from Australia. Halfway around the globe she came, not knowing a soul, to New York City no less. I love to watch her lips form the words that shrouded an accent, sashayed confidently down the torn brick alleys of my heart, kicking over ash cans of failure and blazing depressed darkened corridors with an ice blue light. Behind the intense feminine regal gestures was the penal colony muscle of drunken pirates, and it was a juxtaposition that soaked my heart and passion. She was a mouthy be alright, and I love her. She was a mountie, be alright, and I loved her. My curiosity about her every move was insatiable, and I certainly wanted to know her perspective on America. Barking like a little pirate, she would begin, I don't think your government cares about its people. The exorbitant cost of education? There's no looking to educate the lower of the middle classes. Officials piss on your future. And what's with all the flags? I've never seen such insecurity in all my life. Life, she would say, dragging the vowel like a thief, wrestling a weighted bag of golden chalices down the Vatican stairs. She was a mouthy be alright, and I love her. She was a mouthy be alright, and I love her. Get a couple of drinks in her, it was like hell, it declared a fire sale. You don't manufacture anything here but war machines. Your country has to be at war to keep the economy going. The first thing you ought to do is stop calling soldiers heroes. It's an insult to the soldiers that really were heroes. Unless they killed Nazis, is a pretty good possibility. They're not heroes, they're just deadly little boys in camouflage with a license to kill, acting out scenes from video games back home and waiting for the applause of Walmart shoppers. Along with freedom, heroes 
Girls is the most overused word in your national vocabulary. She was quietly introspective with a hangover the next day, but she never backed down. She was a mouthy B, all right? And I love her. She was a mouthy B, all right? And I love her. the racetrack with gouts with gasoline and caught fire when she was on a roll. She would ask me why I thought Americans were so desperate to hang on to their guns. It's so obvious, she would say, the country, which was settled by Puritans and religious fanatics, had committed genocide on the inhabitants and then built the country with slave labor, all the while praying in the schools. But the true conscience of the country knew that someday there would have to be retribution, and that means the ghosts of those that were destroyed would slay the citizens in their sleep. Americans could keep their guilt at bay with shiny cars and bright lights emanating from gigantic television screens that could dull their brain with perfected auto-tune sound effects, submarotic lyrics, and childlike melodies that could home alarm security systems in every room and they can drive around in jeeps and pseudo-military vehicles. But they knew that someday the blood was going to run in the streets like rivers of stagnant wine. So it'd be best to arm yourselves against the boogeyman. She was a mouthy B.R.I. and I loved her. She was a mouthy B.R.I. and I loved her. just about wrap up this episode of Polyrical. Remember, you can reach out to me. You can send me a message at polyrical at gmail.com. You can go to polyrical.com. You can find back episodes and links to donate to keep this podcast going. Uh, You can also go to Twitter and go to at Polyrical and follow me there. In addition, you can often, frequently, most of the time, watch me record the podcast live on Twitch. Just go to twitch.tv slash unrelated things and follow that account for more. So as we exit this episode, we're going to hear uh, Rod McDonald. And this is off Rod McDonald's latest album, Beginning Again. And if you know John Trudell, this track sounds a lot to me like a John Trudell track. I could totally picture John Trudell performing this instead of Rod McDonald. Uh, I featured John Trudell back on episode 23, if you want to check that out. But here is Rod McDonald off of Beginning Again. This is The Wall. Thanks for listening. Let's build a wall. 30 feet tall. Only cost four billion to keep them all out. You know who they are. Drug dealers, criminals, thugs, and probably some very nice people too. Only cost six billion, and here's the best part. Someone else will pay for it. Yeah, that's it. Let someone else pay for it. 
only cost eight billion to keep them all out. You know who they are. And while we're at it, let's do something about those already here. After all, we have to defend our freedom to hate and discriminate in any way. Only cost ten billion to keep them all out. You know who they are. So let's build a wall, concrete and steel. We'll bring it in by truck. Only cost twelve billion. We'll use the land along the river. We'll take it if we have to, 'cause that's what freedom is—to build a wall to keep them out. You know who they are. Those ones who want to be in the land of the free only cost 15 billion. And if they invent a 31-foot ladder, we'll make it 40 feet tall. Only cost 20 billion to keep them all out. You know who they are. And you better love God. You better love God as we love God. But we're gonna hurt you. We're gonna make you do everything. God tells us to make you do until you love God as we do. But to begin with, let's build a wall. Only cost 50 billion, 'cause that's what freedom needs—a wall to keep them all out. You know who they are. For 50 billion. We could teach some kids to read, probably feed a hungry family or two, or cure some small disease. But that won't please the people. No, they don't even care. They're more afraid of what's out there. So let's build a wall. Only cost a hundred billion. But what will it cost your soul? You know you're never, ever. While we're at it, let's hire a hundred thousand men and give each one a rifle to shoot anyone on a thirty-one foot ladder. A hundred thousand jobs and a hundred thousand guns. The NRA'll go for that. So let's build a wall. Only cost two hundred billion to keep them all out. You know who they.